The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, April 28th. I'm Terry Aranga with my guests, Lynette Louise and Deborah Portnoy. Lynette Louise is certified as an option process mentor counselor and a child facilitator with the Autism Treatment Center of America. Lynette has been practicing the option process since 1997 and working with autism since 1983 when she first began adopting children four of whom were diagnosed on the autism spectrum. Having helped hundreds of adults and children with a combination of playroom, dialogue, and family dynamics counseling, in 2004, Lynette began using neurofeedback as an additional therapeutic modality. Lynette has successfully helped individuals with bipolar disorder, cerebral palsy, seizures, ADHD, sensory integration dysfunction, and much more. Deborah Portnoy is a talented artistic director of Mothers and Others on Autism, who has worked with Actors for Autism, running a social skills group for adults with autism. Her son, through the help of Lynette Louise, has been greatly helped by neurofeedback. Ladies, thank you for joining us. Hi. You're welcome, and thank you for having us on. Let's start with Lynette. Lynette, you have eight kids, six adopted, four of those on the spectrum. How did you come upon the journey of adopting kids, especially on the spectrum? Well, it was pretty simple. I originally began having two daughters that were biologically mine, and then I wanted to have more children, and I thought, well, i got two girls, I want two boys, bookends for balance. And it was just um, as simple as that. I started looking into the, pro- into the process of adoption, and as I read about what you go through and what the kids go through in order to be adopted, I realized that whoever I was adopting, because I wasn't um, trying to adopt a, an infant, I was looking at maybe somebody who was two and another one that was around three, um, and what I realized is that they would have gone through a lot of foster homes and had a lot of trauma. And so it was kind of the process of adoption itself that introduced me to autism. I was looking at, you know, the different kids, the different scenarios, coming up with my own plans and um, getting the social workers to kind of consider different ways of doing things. And while I was doing that, I met um, a couple of kids that were special, and it just sort of evolved. And then I, I met Dar, who's, um, who's still very special needs, and he'd had a terribly tragic history. His mom was suspected of having him locked up in a closet for a couple of years, and he was very malnourished, and they thought he was uneducatably retarded and blind and deaf, and they were going to put him in an institution. And uh, you know, I couldn't have that. <laughs> so the next thing I know, I was adopting autism. It, it just sort of evolved. How's Dar doing now? 
Dar's doing amazing. He actually uh, had a really hard time. For a long time, I couldn't really help him, no matter what I tried. And uh, when he was 23, he was so mute, pretty much. He'd had periods of language that would come for, you know, a couple of weeks and then go away. He was one of those kids that were, you'd, just, you'd just start to get him, and then he'd regress in front of your eyes. Like, oh, there he is. There he's gone. How old was he when you're talking about this? He was, by the time he started um, getting a therapy that I, I now do in other homes, uh, he was 23 and still mute. The rest of the kids had come really far, and Dar had not. And he was always my motivator. He was the reason I kept going, kept learning, kept trying new things. And now he talks, and he's going to be 28, uh, oh gosh, next month. Wow. I know, and it's not supposed to happen at that age, so that was very exciting. And, I mean, he talks like somewhat like a deaf person does, not a lot of good pronunciation, um, you know, and he doesn't modulate his tones really well, but he does it in a very interactive way. That's still, yeah. It's so great. It's miraculous. It's very exciting. Is it meaningful communication? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Intentional. Yeah. Well, wow. in that way, uh, it's the it's the enunciation um, and the number of sounds that he can make clearly that's still really challenged. But in the way of when he talks to the family and to neighbors, people he's comfortable with, it's all very intentional. Yeah. What do you do, like take megavitamins, eat Wheaties, what? <laughs> it's neurofeedback. It's the neurofeedback that made the difference. So I tried all this other stuff, you know. Um, not everything that's available today, surely, because we began in the early 80s, and nobody even knew about diet. I remember at one point um, doing macrobiotics, and it, that I let, was led to simply because it seemed as if some of the kids were bothered by dairy, and that was a non-dairy approach to eating. And so... Certainly, I was doing that path, but it didn't exist the way it does today. So it's been much different than than a lot of the people that have, say, a six-year-old at home. And there wasn't as many things to try, but I tried what there was, and I've cleansed his liver. I've you know I've give, given him a diet of algae, I've, and and the kids were all benefited. But the neurofeedback was the thing that worked on everybody, and that really made the miraculous difference for Dar. So it's the one that I'm pretty much running around, banging pots and pans, cheerleading. Right, shouting from the rooftops, really passionate about Yeah, and I need to apologize to everybody for the Wheaties comment. I, I don't recommend that. That was just an expression. <laughs> um, so. You know, I was, I was talking to some people at one point, and I made a joke about, um, I told this story about Elvis Presley, and, and I said this little girl who was supposed to be um, autistic in this movie had messy hair and a uh, you know, definite sign of autism, and I was joking, of course. And so at the end of that show, in the Q&A, the woman was taking notes, and she said, so what is it about hair and autism? And I was like, oh, dear, one must be very careful. <laughs> yeah. So good for you to apologize and catch it. Tell us about uh, the option process, uh, especially vis-a-vis the neurofeedback. Were these for, for you, you and your kids? Yeah, they came one thing at a time. So initially I was still looking to try to help the kids. I was looking for a kinder approach than the ones that had been used on the kids so far in the various schools and programs we'd tried, something that felt good as a mom. For me, um, much of what you are advised to do with your child who has autism is extremely uncomfortable and makes me frustrated and not like my children, certainly not the way I do now. 
and it wasn't a path I wanted. I hadn't gotten into adopting so that I could see my children as a problem. So my journey was always open to trying to find ways to embrace them because I'm better when I'm embracing them than when I'm looking at them and trying to make a checklist of everything they need to be changing in a, in a you know, this is wrong with you, that's wrong with you way. So while doing that, I, you know, I came across many different approaches, and, and one of them was the Option Institute. They had a program that was based on the parents who had used a very loving, very inclusive uh, approach with their son, and he'd healed, so I was attracted to that. And mostly, again, as much as all these things have helped me and I needed them, uh, my children were my excuse to help myself. So I was always looking to find something that would help them, and that's how I ended up with Option. Once I got there and saw how much it could benefit me, I actually went the path of me first. Sort of, I finally got that thing they say on the airplane when they say put the oxygen mask on you first. You know, I used to go, oh, I would never do that. Right? <laughs> and here I was learning that putting the oxygen mask on me first, that changing who I am, really was the way to change my children into happier, more well-rounded people. And so I became a process men, uh, mentor counselor, um, changed a lot, learned to listen, uh, learned to focus better. Um, and from there I was continually learning. Then I decided to do the play therapy training that. And But Dar was still not changing. So the other guys were changing. I was changing. But um, Dar was not moving, not, not at, at, certainly not at any rate that you'd be able to see visibly. And so I was still looking, and I found neurofeedback, and its scientific approach mirrors what I was doing in the playroom, but faster and straight to the brain. So I was very attracted to it, and I decided to try it, and it was miraculous and still is. I really like your expression that you were not adopting to see uh, the child as a problem. Yes. Or even having children. That's just not, I always longed to be a parent and it was not so that I could uh, find fault with the kids. It was so that I could see perfection. So you had two daughters already and, and how do you feel that um, adopting special needs children uh, enriched their lives? Exactly that. It enriched their lives. Um, my two natural children are the ones that are still the most involved. Uh, they've they work with me sometimes. They're wonderful parents. Um, but mostly they are just open individuals who embrace life and solve problems in a way that's got lots of laughter and lots of energy. So to me, that's a sign of um, a job well done on my part, by the way. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but they love their brothers, you know, which is really neat. It's really neat. And I would think, you know, we hear about something, too, I don't know if you're familiar about, uh, with this called radical attachment disorder. When, R.A.D., sure. When children come from backgrounds where they were neglected or abused, and, and it seems like your um, whole philosophy of, of embracing the, the children uh, would be helpful to this. Oh, yeah, uh, Chance, actually, the one that was the least on the spectrum. Uh, was initially diagnosed with sort of a Heinz 57 disorder, you know, because they didn't really have a spectrum back then, and so, you know, he had OCD and RAD and <laughs> ADD and DD, you know what I mean? And eventually they went, oh, okay, this is, this is spectrum, but um, 
the the whole RAD disorder can be addressed with the neurofeedback actually easier than even all the embracing and loving. That's as much for me as it is for the kids. So we may need to go to break in the middle of this answer, but how did all of this fit in with your acting? Tell us about your performances. Well, that's how I that's how I supported the kids. I lived in Canada. I had my own TV show. I did stand-up comedy. I, I you know, I sent out flyers to bars and, and said, hey, I'll bring karaoke and comedy and whatever you want. I'll be a clown. I, you know, and uh, that was because initially, you know, they were little. They demanded a lot, and the schools were always needing help. So not being available during the day was difficult. So I did a lot of night work um, entertaining and got the odd movie and and eventually my own TV show for a while nationally. So it was natural to me. I stopped all that because the kids were not doing well in school. They weren't handling any of the special programs that were given them. So I stopped, took everybody out of school, bought an RV. Um, I still had a radio show that I did on the road, and I was writing for a magazine. But other than that, I fundraised it. And then for a year, I traveled in this RV going from happy resort to happy resort, surrounding the kids with, you know, acceptance and uh, teaching them. And they changed dramatically that year. All right. And more on this when we come back from break. Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within. Your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. If you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine, it's time you stop shopping and start listening. Skin Health Today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image. Join host Celeste Hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Skin Health Today on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Lynette Louise and Deborah Portnoy. And before the break, Lynette was talking about how her children weren't uh, prospering as well as they needed to in school. And so she stopped her performances and took it to the road. Yeah, it was really amazing. I got the idea that since I was trying to surround them with an accepting attitude, if I could put them in the RV, take them from resort to resort where they would be embraced from, you know, people in a holiday mood instead of neighbors thinking, oh, gosh, that crazy group's going to be here for years, um, that they would feel different about themselves. And it, it really worked. It was It was awesome. And then I continued during that period to train and learn different things and become certified. And uh, Dar being the one that was the hardest to help kept me motivated. So eventually, cut to, I put it all together. I get all these trainings. My kids are off the spectrum. They're independent. One's a helicopter mechanic for the National Guard. Another one's been living on his own as a pipeliner. And they were multiply diagnosed. They had fetal alcohol syndrome. They had child abuse. They had autism. They had retardation. So, I mean, it's a good picture. Um, the other guy's a little, he's got his own landscaping business. He calls it really, he mows lawns and, and uh, does odd jobs, but he's independent 100%. So here I am, I'm in California, I'm working in a clinic, and I'm thinking, this is the most amazing thing that I as a parent ever found. From my entire journey, nothing worked on everybody like neurofeedback does. And I can up the bar of expectation. How do I get the word out on this? Nobody knows about this. This is wrong. <laughs> and, of course, I'm in California at this point, so it was logical for me to go, okay, it's time to do just dust off the stand-up comedy skills and get people laughing and embracing and at the same time disseminate information, uh, explain the brain a little bit. So it's like a science comedy. You cry. You know, we sing, um, I sing, you can tap your toes. Um, so it's it's a wonderful show that uh, takes the information to people that may not otherwise have heard it. Well, and I'm picking up that somewhere along in this journey, you were a single mom. I was a single mom most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. Um, I did get married several times. I think I'll make you come to the show to find out how many. <laughs> they very quickly, you know, people think that this is a beautiful picture when you're embracing it. And sometimes I've been accused of saying, you know, autism's wonderful. Well, let me rephrase. Children with autism are wonderful. I wish there was no autism. But since there is, I've learned to embrace it and change it from within this joyous place. So it looks easy if you watch me do it, and uh, and a couple of times I got married to people who thought it would be easy, and they went, well, actually, it's not, <laughs> and it didn't work out. So I ended up being single for most of it, yeah. Okay, so single mom, much of the time, eight kids, fundraising, able to do it, uh, someone marries you, thinks it's not so easy, yet you're able to do it. Yeah. Wow. But I'm able to do it because I was a lot like them. I had sensory integration disorder, and everything 
that I had to teach them, I had to learn from myself. So there was a, it wasn't such a big bridge between me and them. I was just barely ahead of them in a lot of things. That's why I was a stand-up comedian. You know, we're a little different. Yet, yet you really helped your children and were able, special needs children, and were able to bring most of them to the point of independent living. Yeah, three of the four, and then two of my grandkids are completely off the spectrum too. Wow. It's it's awesome. It's a big story, and it really needs to be heard. And and the fact that I've never ever gone into a home and not been able to make an impact on a child. Um, if the therapy is given a chance, it always changes the child. Always in in the direction of feeling more comfortable with themselves and more capable. All right. Let's talk a little bit about just what you're saying with Deborah. Deborah, when was your son diagnosed? He was diagnosed in 2003, at three years old. And when and why did you start thinking about neurofeedback? Well, um, I, too, was an actress, and given that I was now at home taking care of my son with autism, and I had I have another child a year older than him, um, I was unable to pursue any of my uh, artistic creative endeavors, and I actually turned to writing, writing about how I felt about the challenges my son was experiencing and how I felt about being a parent. And um, I created a show called Mothers and Others on Autism, which I took um, stories that I had read from various books that other parents of kids with autism had written, and I got their permission to adapt parts of their book for my play. So um, I was going to tell the story of six fictional children with autism that turned into adolescents and adults all by piecing together real-life stories. And um, I wanted to cast real parents in the roles. And I found out about Lynette and about her one-woman show. And I read about her on the Internet. And I knew she was trained in the options process. And the founder of that, uh, of that program... Uh, Bears, he he was one of the characters that I had adapted in my book. So it felt like a really uh, great thing to go see her show and introduce her to the play I was doing and see if I could get her to perform in my play. Okay, so when and why did you start thinking about neurofeedback, though? Well, when I saw the show... Uh, and, and she was talking about neurofeedback. I honestly had very little knowledge about it, but I was now four years into working with my son, trying to recover my son, um, using biomedical approaches, intensive ABA at 40 hours a week. Uh, he had speech therapy, occupational therapy, music therapy, and... Um, Within those four years, I had learned a lot, but I was left very frustrated by the amount of progress that he had made. And the, the most challenging thing I was dealing with were his ongoing temper tantrums that um, were aggressive in nature and getting even more intense as he got older. So he was seven, and when I saw Lynette's play, I just, something in me said, if neurofeedback would help Harry. And I ended up having a long conversation with her, and she said to me the first time we spoke on the phone, I absolutely can help with that. That is something that I know neurofeedback will, will Im- help improve for your son, as it did with mine, she said. And um, 
that, that was really it, our conversation and her show and me just feeling like I had exhausted so many other resources. I decided to um, do whatever I could to hire Lynette to come and introduce me and my whole family to neurofeedback. So Lynette comes into your house and what happens? Well, Lynette came into my house and um, my son was used to doing his ABA therapy in his bedroom with the door closed, and I would say in the four years, every single new person that entered the room with my son got tested by him in the form of pinching, scratching, kicking, and resisting um, what they were trying to do, which was help him, but he didn't see it that way. And um, I set up three cameras in the room on every angle so I could capture Lynette, and it was clear to me, one of them I could watch live when it was happening, and it was clear just from the, what I heard going on in the room and when I could see them pass in front of my camera that my son was not stressed. He was not testing her. He was not angry, and he was not trying to get out the door and get away. And I was very, very impressed with how gentle and accepting and um, really uh, captivating she was so that he, he was paying attention to everything she was doing and saying, and it was really exciting. Lynette, what do, you think, what do you think does this? What do you think about you does this, where a child who's usually uh, aggressive or, or testing his mentors would take differently to you? Um, lots of things, but I'll pick a couple of really important ones. One is that I explain absolutely everything at the age-appropriate level, regardless of functioning. Um, the more I learn about the brain, the more I work as a brain, the more I understand the degree to which the receptive skills, even if they can't follow up and show you they understand, their understanding is much higher than it appears. It's respectful and uh, it's a relief for the child, I believe. Also, I'm explaining what I'm going to do every single time because I'm a new person and I think that that all by itself is like, oh, great. And I, and I encourage, absolutely encourage them to say no to me. And then I make it so fun. You know, it's like if the, if the child pushes me away, I go, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall. And it's like, you could just say move as opposed to seeing that as a problem. And all of, all of a sudden it's a bit disarming. It's fun. It's lively. It's great. And, and I give them the tool that would have worked better and say, you know, if you push other people, they might get mad. They might think you're trying to hurt them. Stay, move. So it's a much, it's a much more user-friendly, beautiful way to be with a child and, and really respectful. So I think that's a large part. And then the other thing is I have done this enough now that I don't walk in and meet an autistic child and go, I wonder if. I always go, oh, this is where you're at and this is how to help you. Very good. Okay. Let's pick up with this when we come back to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Glutenease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virustop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health and Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Deborah Portnoy and Lynette Louise. And before the break, Lynette left us with a really great thought. She walks into a room. She's a child, and she says, this is where you're at, and let's help you where you're at. So I thought that was really great. I hope I paraphrased that correctly, restated it correctly. And, uh, Deb, in what, you were telling us about some specific ways that the neurofeedback helped Harry. H- how do you know? What kind of documentation do you have? Well, the first thing I knew would be, because he allowed her to be in the room for two and a half hours, and he never got upset. Um, that was Lynette doing, but um, when she finally was able to put the electrodes on, clipping them on his ears, which um, he never would allow me to take his temperature or, or in, in his ears or even touch him around the, that area. So um, I was so amazed that she desensitized him just through her own um, playing with him and accepting approach that after two and a half hours, she did about a 25-minute session with him uh, in which he walked out of the room and um, was very calm and was um, asking to eat lunch and was able to sit down and eat his lunch without ever 
jumping up from the table. And if anybody knew <laughs> knew my son, he was in perpetual motion. He was very he was very challenging to ever get him to sit through a meal. He was jumping up and down constantly. He'd do these little passes of bursts of energy and come back to sit at the table. That was always what he would do, and he did not do that on this particular day. And I was I was very very impressed. So that that's a great that's a great point. Deb. Uh, I've I've called my son Boy in Motion too, and <laughs> and I just uh, want to. Want to apologize? I should have asked you, um, like, and documentation that you have instead of making it sound like you have to rely upon the documentation to um, to, to chart the success. Certainly, when you see your son sitting through the lunch and see his aggression improve and use your motherly instincts and intuition, um, you know that is that is uh, substantiation as well. Yes, and within you know that was my. First day's experience, and and he went on, <clears throat> excuse me, to do another session in the afternoon with Lynette, and then she returned for two more days. So there was a total of three days and seven neurofeedback sessions within those days, of which when she left, I knew that um, I was going to find the money to purchase the equipment so that I could learn to do it myself, because it was very clear to me by the way she introduced him to the equipment that if I had taken into him into a clinical setting in an office, that I would have never been able to see those kind of results. Uh, and that's what I ended up doing. I um, took out a loan. I sold uh, gold jewelry for weight to whatever I needed to do to purchase the neurofeedback equipment because the um, what I was seeing in my home, those results were so impressive that I, I just needed to keep it going and help him and keep helping him which I have done. And luckily, uh, because he was with a behaviorist at school, I was able to see in the form of charts and graphs and uh, documentation the clear improvements from when I met Lynette in February of 08 uh, to when he had his meeting in May of 08. And in those months, every area of my son's behavior in school improved. And it was all documented. And for the first time, people sat at his IEP and had positive things to say about him and were encouraging about his future and his ability to attend and, and be present in school. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and you mentioned something that so many parents face with their kids, and that is when you want to use an intervention, the child may be aversive to whatever needs to be used, whether it be the for example, neurofeedback electrodes or the goop on the electrodes, et cetera, et cetera, and Lynette was able to warm him up to this. Lynette created a positive association with the equipment, which she calls the brain game, and my son never resisted being hooked up to it after that, that initial day. Wow. So it never was a challenge to me. She, she paired so beautifully the experience and then I'm sure just how much better he felt. Um, he, he was able to, to sit down and I'd just call him over and it was never, ever a problem. And I would use the biofeedback on myself. I would point out to him, look, mommy's going to play the brain game. And I would tell him his sister's going to play the brain game. And he would watch all of us do our sessions, and so I think 
It wasn't like we were trying to impose something on him that we weren't all um, embracing ourselves. Well, this is so cool. Um, you know, Lynette, I guess at this point we better tell people about the nuts and bolts of neurofeedback and what it is, what it does, and how it would have worked with Deborah's son, and just explain the whole brain to us. Okay. <laughs> oh, how many minutes do we have? Okay. Um, there is something I do want to make sure that we mention because seizures are such a big issue with kids that have autism. Your likelihood of having a seizure disorder is really increased, especially as they come into pre-adolescence and adolescence. I do want to make note of the fact that this therapy first began in the early 60s and it first began as a treatment for seizure disorder. Like all science, it was an accidental discovery. They were just doing an experiment on cats, noticed they had this particular brainwave, decided to see if they could get them to increase it. Turns out they could, and they went, oh, that's interesting. Um, and then later they used the same cats in, a, in an experiment with rocket fuel. I'm keeping this short, but the point is these cats wouldn't seize. Uh, and if they did, it was way beyond toxic levels. So um, that got this field Started. It's it's gone all different places and been used in many ways since. But it's remained very efficacious, very data provable in the world of seizures. That it can really help you raise your seizure threshold and often eliminate the need for meds. Very often, high percentages. So. I work with that as well, which is, it's very important here with autism, but I also work with CP kids who are often just riddled with um, seizures, and it's important to know, just to put that out there. And how does it do that? Um, let's, since you wanted to know about the brain, I'll just stay with that. So in order for you to have a seizure, for example, you would have to have a condition whereby the brain has an excess of this very low wave activity, meaning low frequency, very slow moving waves. And that by itself won't create a seizure. It'll create all kinds of things, like difficulty focusing and, and remembering and whatnot. Um, but it won't necessarily create a seizure. However, in order to have a seizure, you must have that. Um, at least in the moment before the seizure. And then they call it, for an analogy, we often use uh, the idea of a gasoline slick. It's a very um, benign thing until you put the match to it. So in a sense, a seizure is like that because you have this buildup of this brainwave activity and then there's what you call a paroxysmal event. So there's this moment when higher frequency waves a few of them just shoot out, and that works like a spark to the gasoline, and you start to seize. It's really simplified, but it's, it's at least a, an analogy and a way to start with the explanation. Uh, so if I was doing neurofeedback on someone, what I would do, I would try to find a location where that's likely to happen. Um, I can work two different ways. I can, and simultaneously, I can be asking the brain, please do not make so much of this slow activity so there's not a gasoline slick too I'd match to. I also can say to the brain, and none of those paroxysmal activities, please. And the way that I do that, or the way that a neurofeedback person, the parents I work with do it, the way that anyone running the um, therapist computer does that, is simply by putting the parameters inside your your computer that says, you know, these frequencies of brainwaves, we don't want so many of them, and these we don't want 
paroxysmal activities. And then that computer talks to the game computer. So they're, they're networked. And what the child experiences is none of that as far as they don't have to understand anything scientific. They don't, you know, they don't have to get what's going on in that sense. They just have a sensor on their head in whatever location has been chosen. And um, they're watching a game. And it can be the simplest game, like a little Pac-Man eating dots, for example. When he eats the dots, he beeps. And when he beeps, the brain is told, yes, that's the way you want to operate. When he doesn't eat and he doesn't beep, the brain hears, no, don't operate like that. And brains want to have control. Neurons have a built-in desire for control. And um, the way that they gain control is through pattern recognition. It's how you learn. It's how you figure out the world. Um, We could break this down. I could just explain this for hours. But the point is that it's built in to want to control these beeps and this game. So a lot of the time the parents say, why would my kid care if Pac-Man eats or why? He's not going to care about the video game. Some do and some don't care. Um, But when they don't care, the neurons themselves still want to stop this broken sounding of beep, 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 beep. They want to smooth that out so that brains like to make everything under their control so they can ignore it. (laughs) So... um, so it will still work, even if the child's not into the video. So do you uh, program Deb's computer for Harry on a regular basis, or does Deb know how to do that? Deb, or no, I train the parents. Electric? She knows how to do it. She knows how to change the numbers. She knows how. She's getting to be an amazing therapist, actually. But in general, so, how would a parent be able to do this? Would initially, it? they're just pushing buttons. Initially, I just train them on the software and how to do it, and you get a... I control the flash drive and I create the prescription um, inside the flash drive that they then plug in so that the numbers are set for them. It's preset. But because autism is a whole brain disorder and it's very changing, um, it's not like working with, say, ADHD where it can be the same thing over and over again sometimes. Um, I need the parents to be much more adept than that so that I can talk to them on the phone and say, what's going on? Okay, change this. What do you see? This is why we... So I inform the parents so that... Partly for that, but mostly because I want parents to have the power in their own hands. Okay, and we'll pick up with this when we come back. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. 
If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Lynette Louise and Deborah Portnoy, and we're talking about neurofeedback for autism and, and other disorders, too. And Lynette, as someone, who, speaking personally, as someone who needs a 60-page manual for a can opener and 70 pages <laughs> <laughs> electric, do you have time to read that? So, so I call you up and I say, today my son's having problems with aggress- aggression, and the next week my son, you know, he's having a seizure issue. Um, so you've had some initial consults, and then how do you guide the parent, and how does this all work in with mom's intuition and and doing this economically at home? Okay, that's a really big question, so I'm going to isolate a piece of it. Um, Basically, I would have explained a lot of how this thinking goes. I would have told the parent, um, I want you to keep track of sleep. I want you to keep track of bowels. I want you to, uh, you know, if you're all of a sudden seeing a change in sleep, that tells me a lot about arousal, for example. Um, If you're seeing more sensory things or less sensory things, uh, so if, if you called me and said, okay, he's being more aggressive, I would break you down like that and say, what do you mean? Uh, explain the aggression, explain the circumstance. First, we try to factor in life. Did, were there any changes um, in diet? And, you know, did he get a – Deb was just talking on the break about when Harry got a gluten cracker, you know. So you have to figure all that stuff out. And then I would say, okay, because so then I would make, um, you know, an assessment, just like you would if you were in front of me in a, in a clinic setting and I asked you those questions and made an assessment. And then I would say, okay, so because of these things, I suggest you this. And I would give them uh, the directions on what to do next. And, Deb, how has it worked for Harry? Well, since, since I met Lynette and she came to my home and worked with my son, my life has completely changed. She renewed and restored the hope that um, Harry was going to be able to learn and progress and make friends. I mean, he's doing really things I, I, I never even, I mean, I wanted, but I just couldn't see how to get from point A to point B. I mean, he's riding his bike and a scooter now and able to follow along in a conversation, and he's able to tolerate uh, change and not getting the things that he wants. I mean, he still gets mad if he doesn't get what he wants, but instead of aggressing the person who's refusing them or, or denying him, he goes to his room and he slams the door. And when he's done being mad, he comes out and he tells me, all done, I'm all done being mad. Okay, and he looks at me and he's like, he wants acknowledgement. He wants this. He says sorry, and he wants that closure that it's okay that he felt a little bit out of control because he didn't let it get all the way out of control. And I give him what he wants in terms of you know complimenting him for how he handled it. 
Lynette really showed me, and I know this is more the options process stuff than the neurofeedback, but she showed me how important it is to validate every form of communication that your child has. And when he would ask for something for fear that he was going to get upset, I wasn't really giving him a clear answer. I wasn't telling him no. I was sort of, oh, maybe later and being vague. And I learned to respect him and that if he has clarity, then he can experience how he feels about that, but he's not in a constant state of turmoil and confusion as he was prior to the neurofeedback. It has helped him in every way, and I, um, I, I will continue to do it until... Um, I no longer see changes, but to this day, um, I went from every day, seven days a week, down to six, five, and for about the last nine months, I've been doing it three times a week, and that seems to be a great, and sometimes it's two, um, if I, you know, think about doing it with him on a day, but yet I see he's really kind of having a great day, I'll pass, and then follow the, the need when I see him sort of being imbalanced in his emotions and his ability to respond well to something, he's getting over anxious or he's extra stimmy. I mean, he has um, language, but his language is often um, obsessive. And so we're just starting to, to dive into that, into the whole area. Now that I feel his sensory system has been greatly improved so he feels comfortable in his own skin. He can really attend and, and be present. And, and people are enjoying his company now, and that is just so important. And so I'll keep following the change and, and know that I have a really amazing tool, that I own it, that I will continue to learn how to use it. And um, I, I'm like Lynette. I want to be screaming from the rooftops how much this has helped my son. And I, I just hope that, you know, we can help other people the same way. Okay, well, you're both, you're both really courageous moms um, following your, your instincts and intuition. Um, Lynette, eight, eight kids, six adopted, four on the spectrum, taking on special needs children and, and uh, making their lives functional, helping them make their lives functional, and, and Deb, trusting your instincts too. So I, I really, uh, really want to commend that. And so, Deb, this is something that, that you're able to do at home when you see a need arise. That seems much better than having to go through, you know, two hours of uh, gridlock traffic uh, when you can get an appointment somewhere. Yes, I absolutely believe that having it in my home and being able to do it consistently and when the imbalances um, are, are most obvious, that 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 is why it's been so effective and perhaps why, you know, people in the autism community are not seeing as great results if they go with 40 sessions in a clinic and at the end of those 40 sessions, they're not blown away by the, the progress their child's made. I mean, I, I know that I wouldn't have continued. Um, it would have been just one more thing I tried and maybe some minimum results. But knowing that I can continue to do it and there is no um, end point because the brain is constantly changing. I mean, I was very close to, um, to medications, considering medications to help with anxiety, to help with OCD, and I thought that, you know, as a last resort, that was what I would have to do so my son could, you know, not be labeled a, a dangerous teenager, adolescent. 
but I no longer um, am, am going to go down that road. I mean, I feel like I will continue to help him with the neurofeedback and that the possibilities are endless with how much he can grow. That is fantastic. I'm, I'm so glad you have this alternative to medication because they can have side effects, adverse, adverse effects too. Well, before we run out of time, I want to ask you both for any websites that people can go to to look for more information about this or connect with you. Uh, brainbody.net for me. Can you spell that? Brain like the brain. Uh-huh. Body like your body. Okay. Dot net. Okay, I'm a, my connection's a little fuzzy on this end. Sorry, okay. brain body. And, and you can also, um, LynetteLouise.com works as well. They're linked. The, that one's more the performance, but they're linked. So if they have any problems with one, they can go the other, other route. Okay, and Deb, anything for you? Well, I don't have a website, but I do want to just stress that I am not very computer savvy, that I do not have a lot of technical skills. And Lynette makes it very easy and baby steps you only giving you the information that you need when when you're ready for it. And so she's increased, you know, um, in her explanations over the past year so that I do understand more and I don't feel overwhelmed by the, the technical aspect. And um, whatever questions that she might not be able to answer as far as the way the computer operates, I've had great online support from EEG Spectrum and their technical crew over there helps me, right? When my son's got the sensors on his head and, you know, he he's having a session but something isn't operating properly and I get them on the phone and they've always been able to talk me through in a technical aspect and, and make the problem go away. So. Well, I think we have another uh, minute or so here. So, um, Lynette, can you just explain really quickly how neurofeedback helps sensory issues? Well, um, no. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, sensory issues. Okay, let me pick something. Let's say that part of the reason you have a sensory issue is because you have too much of that slow, low-wave activity um, in the area of the sensory motor strip. There could be many reasons, but I'm picking this one. Uh, and the waves are so slow that they're not giving information to the brain from the body fast enough for you to feel in your body. So now you feel numb. If we ask the brain to make faster waves, you won't feel numb anymore and you won't want to hit yourself to have feeling. Oh, okay. Thank you for that example. And Lynette and Deborah, I want to thank you both for sharing this practical and hopeful approach with us, both courageous ladies. Thank You're you, welcome. Terry. Thank you for all that you do. Yes, absolutely. You're Thanks welcome. Thanks for having us on. Deborah is one of the California moms who you'll see in the July issue of the Autism File magazine. That website is www.autismfile.com. Deb's writing will be featured alongside Dr. Rob Coben. Dr. Coben is speaking at the Autism One conference next month about neurofeedback for autism, uh, particularly seizures. Please check out www.autismone.org. My guest next week, Lisa Lundy, is author of the Super Allergy Girl Allergy and Celiac Cookbook. If you have any questions about this program, please email me at tiaranga at autism1.org. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Medical
would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.